We're going to be in Ephesians chapter 4, and we're going, to, we're going to really be focusing on verse 25 through 32, but I'm going to read from 17 to the end. Um, and this, uh, this really ties in well with, with what Kyle taught about this morning. And so uh, I'm excited. I'm not teaching on Lydia like I said I was going to. Um, Kyle did a good job this morning. I'm not going to. Uh, I'm going to get these keys out of my pocket. I'm not going to take what he said and change it in any way because I thought it was really good. So let me pray for us real quick, and then we'll, we'll get going. So, Father, we thank you for this, uh, this evening. We thank you just for this day of worship. We thank you that um, your word is true and that it never changes. And I thank you um, that when, um, Father, when we ask for wisdom, when we ask for um, guidance, God, you, you grant it to us. And, and James, it says for us to ask for wisdom. So, God, we, we ask for wisdom in, in discerning what your word says. And, uh, Father, as we, as we listen and, uh, and are just taught by, by your Holy Spirit tonight, I pray that you uh, will be glorified through it. Lord, help us to learn something new. Uh, God, in that, that as we leave here tonight, um, that we'll be able to take something with us this week. I'm going to apply it to our lives to be more like Jesus. So I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. So I have, I have taught this lesson before, and we were going through the book of Ephesians with um, the, the young adult ministry when I was still in the young adult um, ministry. And, you know, it was, it was interesting because I, I never really knew you could kind of map out where you were going to be next. But the guy that taught before me was Nathan, right? You never knew where Nathan was going to stop. And so I always had about a week or so to prepare. Um, and I figured out, hey, that's, that's my sweet spot is, it, is about a week to prepare. And so, um, but super excited to, to teach about this because it's about the new life in Christ. And so you know, Kyle taught this morning about this lady that didn't have a relationship with Jesus, didn't know her her standing, you know, before the Lord until she made a true commitment to the Lord and, and, and real, a real commitment, a real acceptance, um, acceptance of the gospel and not just going and doing these ritualistic things and, and being a, a worshiper of God. And, uh, and so we're looking at, at someone that's on the other side of that now and, it, and is living for the Lord, and um, and so Paul is writing to the church of Ephesus, and in verse 17, I'm just going to read to, to 32, and then we're just going to break down some of these verses, because Paul, I love how Paul writes, he writes, especially in this, um, this section, it's, this is what you don't do, and this is the reason why you don't do it, and so, but in the reason why you don't do it, he gives you what you're supposed to do, and so, um, Paul is just so wise, and uh, I love um, just reading all these written. So here, verse 17, it says, Now this I say and testify in the Lord, that you must no longer walk as Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. They are darkened in, the, in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to their hardness of heart. They have become callous and have given themselves up to this 
sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. But that is not the way you learned Christ, assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him, as the truth is in Jesus, to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life, and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds, and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God and the true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, having put away all falsehood, let each one let each one of you speak with truth, speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. And give no opportunity to the devil. Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor, doing honest work with his own hands, so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouth, but only such as is good for building up, as fits the occasion, that it may, that it may give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, as God is in Christ forgave you. That's a, a lot to read and a lot to, to hear, but that piece of scripture is more powerful than we talk. Um, and so I feel it's important for us to, to look at the whole context of it. And so Paul is, it's, it's labeled in our Bibles, the new life, or, or you might have a different variation of that. When we focus on verse 25 through 32, um, I wanted to give you the context of it because verse 17 through 19, these Gentiles, they gave themselves up to, to greed and to impurity, the practice of impurity. And so when you jump down to verse 25, it says, therefore, and I know anytime Kyle taught, and I'm stealing it from him, he, he said that therefore is there, you know, there's always a reason that the therefore, that is therefore. So the therefore is therefore a reason. So, I <laughs> don't say that too fast, but it's pertaining to verse 20, because in verse 20 it says, but that is not the way you learned. That's not the way you learned in Christ. So he's talking, hey, you Christians, that's not the way you learn in Christ. Therefore, and then he starts listing off, don't do this, don't do this. And so Paul lists particular actions that are not fruit of godly people. They're not learned from a Christian lifestyle. They're a sinful lifestyle. And Paul takes these practices, these sinful practices, and he plainly says what we should do. He takes the negatives and then he shares the positives of how we should live. And each of these don'ts, as I said, Paul gives a theological reason as to why. It's not just because I'm saying it and I'm Paul but he's, he's giving us a theological reason as to why. So there's a, um, a pastor by the name of Tony Maria, and he pastors a church in Raleigh, and it's called uh, Imago Day. And uh, I've listened to him at a couple different conferences and stuff, and, and he wrote a book that basically is a, it's a breakdown of, of almost every verse or a section of verse of the book of Ephesians. And so I use that to study. And he has some really good quotes. So you'll hear me quote multiple things from him. Um, but we, we are to live a holy life 
in Christ because he is holy. And so Tony, he says, holiness is not just about saying no to sin, but it's saying yes to God. And so we can say no to sin, but if we're not obeying God, or we're not saying yes to God, then we're just stuck. And, and, um, and so I want us to be thinking about that as we jump into here. So who is Paul talking to? I said it. He's talking to the church. And what I love is it says, I wrote, I said, um, see the relation between how we act and the way that it pertains to the church and our beliefs, because they're very connected. We believe the gospel as a church. That's what makes us a body of believers. And so and that the gospel of Jesus paying for our sins through the death on the cross and then his resurrection three days later. But that's why we live for him, because he died for us. So this should affect, as the church, the way that we live. And, it, and people should see that we live differently as the church, differently than everybody else in the world that, that might not um, you know, might not believe in, in what Jesus has done for them. And so verse 25, therefore, because, and I'm adding this, because we are followers of Christ, so therefore, because we're followers of Christ, put away all falsehood. We don't use the word falsehood anymore, like, oh, you know, Lord, please forgive me for my falsehood. No, Lord, please forgive me for lying to this person or, or you know, saying this white lie or whatever. Because in, in, in the Old Testament, in Exodus 20, 16, you shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. You shall not lie. Zechariah 8, 16, speak truth to one another. So, I mean, it's all throughout Scripture that we know to not lie and to tell the truth. Most of the time when we do lie, it gets us in more trouble. We usually have to cover it up with another one and another one and another one, and then we are, we're just up creek without a paddle at that, at that point. And then we have to go and we have to, okay, so I lied about all of this versus, hey, I said, well, you know, I said one, I'm sorry for that. Um, I'm not saying it's always gonna be easy, to, to ask for forgiveness during that, but um, it's a good reminder for me too. So, so why, why not, Paul? Why not speak false? Because hey, if I lie to you, I might not get in trouble right then, right? Hey, did you, uh, you know, if Hope says, hey, did you, did you, did you drink the last bit of milk? No. Well, of course, that's kind of stupid because it's just me and you there, right? But. <laughs> If I, if I don't just tell her the truth, why, why, right? Oh, you know, somebody else came in and drank it, or Turner came over and drank it. Because we are members one to another. Because we're brothers and sisters in Christ. I mean, we are walking representations of the gospel. Men and women, doesn't matter. We are walking representations of the gospel. That is the reason. See, our words greatly affect the body. This is kind of silly, but if I if I say the pan is not hot, and I say hand, the pan's not hot, but it's been sitting on the eye for 10 minutes on high, and I go and I grab that, me telling my hand that it was not hot, I lied to my hand, and I hurt my hand. And if you think of the church as a body, if one part lies to another, it can greatly affect that other part. So if I lie to another, another believer in the church, that could greatly affect that person and their walk with the Lord. So just another, another uh, 
I guess, image to think about is, you know, we are, we are like a working body. You know, and if one part of our body hurts or limping, it affects the rest of the body. So, you know, note that, you know, Paul is talking to the church here, although lying to other, other people can also hurt them too and hurt the witness as well. Um, but again, just remember he's focusing on the church here. So, um, little side note, lying here can be translated to changing the truth of God with a lie. And so God is known as truth, and Satan is known as, as the liar. In John 8, 44, he says, you are, the, you are of your father the devil, and your will is to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning, and he does not stand in truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character. He is a liar and the father of lies. Does not sound like someone I want to be representing. So, so to tell the truth imitates God, and to lie through imitating Satan. That gets serious. That gets real because I don't want to imitate Satan. I want to imitate Christ. So, verse twenty-six, it says, "Be angry and do not sin." Do not let the sun go down on your anger. So this verse echoes Psalm 4.4, which says, Be angry and do not sin. Ponder on your own hearts on your bed. Be silent. Selah. So this, this is talking about a righteous anger. This isn't getting mad. Or this isn't getting mad but not showing it. Or maybe, I'm mad, but you know what? I'm not going to cuss when I get mad on this. Time. No. It's not talking about that. I'm not talking about I'm not going to get angry. I'm not going to. Um, I'm not going to get angry, or I'm going to get angry. But you know what? I'm not going to um, go punch Kyle or something like that. No, I'm talking about a righteous anger here. And this this anger is talking about angry at sin, a righteous anger towards sin. As Christians, we need to be angry at our sin. If not, we'll be indifferent about it. We're like, well, I know I sin, but but I don't really hate it. We need to hate sin because God hates sin. And so the hate we feel towards our sin isn't a hate that we feel towards someone if we have a grudge against them. No, but it's a righteous hate that God our Father has against sin. And so being in a hateful, angry state towards sin is a righteous, a righteous thing. And so, um, you know, we all like to remember when Jesus goes into the temple in Mark 1, and he just starts flipping the tables. You know, I've heard that excuse like, well, hey, why are you mad? Well, Jesus flipped the tables, you know, hitting people with a whip. But the anger that he felt was a righteous anger towards the sin that was happening in his father's house. I'm using a Piper quote here. It says, Piper says, Jesus displayed an anger that was mingled with grief. That's the difference. When we have a have a grief for our sin, it makes us angry towards our sin. Not that we're, you know, hey, how are you doing today? Well, I'm mad at my sin, because that's affecting your witness. But being, being mingled with grief that your sin is, you know the severity of your sin. And that, that when you do sin, the severity of it, and that if you, if you don't leave it, un, if you leave it unchecked, you know, what it can do to you, and the body of believers. So we too should grieve about our sin, but not just sit and sulk. No, we should bring it before the Lord 
and to, um, to pray about it and to, to get accountability as well. So the next, that, um, the next part, it says, do not let the sun go down on your anger. Paul is not giving us an example to throw a temper tantrum over sin. No, he's saying, don't, don't let the sun go down on your anger. And so it was funny because Piper said in a book, um, he says, Paul does not mean that the Eskimos in the North Pole can get angry for six months because the sun doesn't ever come up. No. He means to not let it fester, to resolve it quickly. You know, if we get a splinter and you leave it, and it gets infected, and it festers, and it festers, and it festers, soon it gets nasty, and it gets bad. When we are angry and we let it fester and fester and fester, and you know, sometimes I will say this, I have gone to bed angry because I knew if I tried to solve it then or with the other person, it was even going to make it worse. And so Paul is talking here, just don't let it fester up in you and cause you to sin more because you're, you're angry towards someone or something. Even good anger, Tony Marina says, even good anger, can lead to problems like bitterness. So the time to be angry needs to be short. And again, I believe that's, that's the way that our Lord is because he quickly is, is gracious and is merciful to us. So verse 27, it says, And give no opportunity to the devil. I love how Paul throws this in there because he's saying, again, don't let it fester into the wrong anger because Satan would love to use that opportunity to make us either violent or, or divisive or passive aggressive and, and would really love to jump on that opportunity for us to, to veer farther and farther away from being like Christ. So leading to verse 28, it says, let the let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor, doing honest work with his own hands so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. Now, stealing was, and I did not notice, I had to look this up, stealing during the first century was actually very common because Paul says that, the, um, that most, or, I'm sorry, Paul tells the church to break free from these norms. Because most people were common working people, possibly farmers or things that had a season, you know, in season, out of season. And so in the off season, it was a very tempting thing to, hey, we're running a little bit low on, you know, wheat or we're running a little low on, on grain or, or whatever. I'm just going to run over here because I know this guy has extra stuff. I'm just going to take a little bit of his. He's not going to miss it. But no, Paul is telling that, that their lives with Christ, they should no longer have a place for stealing. Plus, it's the eighth commandment, thou shalt not steal. And so Paul also is saying that in a later part of the verse, that we should work and work hard and let it be honest work. Paul was a tent maker while he was in ministry, and he worked hard. We know that. And so if you're having a hard time finding honest work, or know someone who is, a Christian should help finding honest work for someone as well. Um, you know, there's, there's a lot of people that are um, probably right now that, that really do need a job. And so, you know, 
to show compassion on those people and to show love to those people. And if we have an opportunity for them, um, you know, let them know. And uh, anyway, that was a little off topic, but but I like that that Paul puts that in there because when, when we were younger, we were taught to work hard and to do it with your full ability and the stuff like that. And these people were, but man, is that tempting when it's getting the end of the month or or you know, for them it's it's the end of the season and we just don't have very much. And hey, I'm just gonna go take a little bit. Paul says no, no, don't like shy away from that. Don't don't do that because Christ calls you to be whole. So also with the working hard and, and, and providing for ourselves, then do we keep all of our money to ourselves? No. The last part of the verse, to share with anyone in need. John Wesley said, work as hard as you can, make as much as you can. And all, all of America's like, yep. Then he says, then give as much as you can. And everybody's jaw drops. What? Give as much as we can. I know that I have been convicted of, am I giving as much as, as I can? Am I giving to where it hurts in a good way? You know, am I stretching, are we stretching our finances to where we can give more and more and more? Um, John Piper also said one time I was listening to him in a sermon and he said, you know, he said when, when you get a job and, and uh, first you're making $40,000 a year and he said, that's pretty sweet. He said, but then you get a promotion and you're making 60. He said, you know, he said, continue to live in that 40. Then you can give 20, and then you get an $80,000 salary. Then you give 40. You give so on and so on and so on. I thought that would be extremely hard to do. You know, you're making more and more money, but you're not. You're giving it all away. Um, and so work as hard as you can, make as much as you can, and then give as much as you can away. So. John Piper also says, you can steal to get, you can, you, can, you can work to get for yourself, or you can work in order to live. So he's, he's talking about this verse right here, that the righteous thing to do is to, to work and to, to not steal. Um, which, thank you, John, you know, eighth commandment says, thou shalt not steal, so. This is also um, very convicting to me because I wrote this in here and it, sometimes in my notes I write something and I know it's the Holy Spirit writing it through me for me to learn another lesson. I said, if you are not a great giver, ask Jesus to help you. He made Zacchaeus into a great giver. If you want to know, look into John or look into Luke 19, 1 through 10. Because Zacchaeus was a he was a wee little man, wee little man to see. <laughs> but he said he was, uh, you know, he was willing to pay back these people, but not just pay them back, but give them even more back. So it just shows us that you know, if we ask Jesus to, Lord, help me to be a better giver, He'll find the, He'll find the money in our in our budget that we're, you know maybe wasting or something like that, he'll, he'll help us to find that. So, because um, he knows the needs of others. Verse 29, let no corrupting talk 
come out of your mouth, but only such as is good for building up, as it fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. Ooh, that's hard to say. <laughs> the words foul or corrupt in the New Testament here, that they mean rotten fish or fruit. They can be interchanged there. And so, so Paul writes, rotten words do not nourish like rotten food. Is it good for you? It can make you sick. Well, of course, if you eat rotten fish, your stomach's not going to be doing good. It can also make the body of Christ sick. So for an example of this, not limited to gossip, lying, abusive language, vulgar references, slander, we're all, we're all guilty of some one or more of those. Matthew 12, 36, Jesus says that we will give an account for every careless word spoken. I'll stop you from, from that jab here or there. Coach laughing at me because... Sometimes I speak and I, did I really just say that? Did I really just say that to you? Oh my goodness. So um, in place of this filth, we need to only such as is good for building up. The Christian life involves the building up and encouraging one another. That's what is edifying to other believers. That is what the overflow of our heart should look like is edifying one another. Um, multiple people have, have uh, affirmed this, and, and I, you know, we always wonder, like, well, what's our spiritual gift? Um, and I've been told multiple times, hey, your spiritual gift, you know, or one of your spiritual gifts is, is encouraging people. And I do love to encourage people. It naturally comes out in a conversation when I'm dealing with um, students or, or something like that. And so, you know, can and do I encourage People, and then I turn right around and give rotten fruit to someone. So do I encourage someone, and then I come right around and say a slant, you know, a, a slight to somebody or something like that? Well, yes, I have, and I, I do. But thank God that He is gracious and that He can use both for His glory. You know, this and, and it kind of ties together because in verse thirty it says, "Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God," but by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. And the Holy Spirit can be lied to, dishonored, offended, and disobeyed. Instead, as Christians, we need to be sensitive to the one who sealed us for the day of redemption. That word sealed, I love that because it's, I'm sealing and it, it's, uh, it's not coming out of God. And so as Christians, we are, we are sealed for the day of redemption. Um, I asked this to the young adult ministry. I think, Kyle, you might remember this. You know, as sometimes I, as a guy, I feel like I grieve the Holy Spirit because guys are rotten. Because when I'm with a group of guys my age, and we're all buddies, man, does the, does the abusive language and the, the slander come out, and we just start, it's all fun and games, but we start just jabbing at each other. And it's, it's hi, oh, yeah, we're all laughing, having a good time. And I also said, but girls are the same way, too. We're all, we all have that, hey, we're, we're with our friends, we're with our, our uh, you know, close people in our, in our life. I'm going to start just picking on you and picking on you. I do that with Turner a lot. Um, and he, he made sure to tell me after that lesson, when I told him I said this, that he was like, man, yeah, it's like we do that all the time. I said it's very convicting when you really break it down. We need to be sensitive to that. 
we need to spend time encouraging one another instead of in those, those close circles. Hey, I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna get you on what I heard about you the other day or, or something like that. So this is all very convicting. Verse 31, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. So let all bitterness, or other known as resentful attitudes, festering anger, wrath, or indignant outbursts, and clamor and slander, other known as abusive language and public shouting, be away from you, along with all malice, malice hostility. Paul just lays it out there. Get all of that away from you. Let all of that be away from you. And then he says, be put away with you. And then verse 32, he says, instead, in their place, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. In those place, we put on kindness and forgiveness. We should wear these virtues as, as we wear clothes. Put them on every day. So when I was when I was preparing this, I was just thinking about um, Psalm one forty five eight. The Lord is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger, great and faithful love. He is slow to to anger, and he, he is he is great and faithful love. Am I am I great at being loving towards people? Am I gracious? Am I compassionate? Am I slow to um, to get angry at people. You know, God is kind and forgiving, and we need to be imitators of him. I love this. As God in Christ forgave us. With this statement, if Jesus forgave us, we have to forgive others. He forgave our infinite debt. And for us to not quickly forgive another is not understanding Jesus' forgiveness. So, we need to think of his love, think of his forgiveness, think of his kindness. It's all unfailing. All of it is unfailing. So thinking of putting on the kindness and the forgiveness, but then also thinking of walking in the new life that we have in Christ. Are we dressed in his righteousness? If so, we need to live out the new identity as a new creation in Christ for the good of others and the glory of God, and for the sake of our other our brothers and sisters in Christ and the believers that are um, in our church, then also other believers that we come in contact with. And so, this was extremely convicting for me because I'm not perfect in this, and we're, we are not perfect in this. I can say that because we're all we're all sinners and we all fall short of the glory of God, but. Thank the Lord for Jesus and that um, all of these things, you know, let the, the slander talk and, and let the, um, just the wretchedness that is in us, naturally, Jesus has overcome it. And if we give it to him, he can help, help free us from these, these practices that we have in our life. And so... Um, as a church, let us continue to strive to be like Christ, to continue to be one body um, in the name of Jesus, because if we do it outside of that, it's not going to work.
So that's all I have. I appreciate Paul writing to the, uh, the church there to remind us how to be good brothers and sisters in Christ. So uh, I'm thankful for uh, the body of believers that belong to a Baptist church. I'm thankful for BRBC. Thank you for allowing me to see you. So, any comments or anything? It's a good, good text. Anything? Cool. Mm -hmm. Yes, it's a very good text. I'll go ahead and pray. Father, uh, thank you again, um, Lord, just for the body of believers. I thank you for the encouragement that they are. God, I thank you for your word. And that it's, uh, Lord, it's so convicting. God, help us to be uh, like Christ. Lord, help us to be like your son. I thank you that because of his death and resurrection, Lord, that we can be free from our sins. Father, I pray for, um, Lord, just for our hearts. God, help us to, to confess sins that we might not even know. Lord, help us to continue um, to dig into your word daily. Help us to continue to um, look for uh, brothers and sisters in Christ to encourage, um, but to also uh, help us to, to just keep accountable um, in our daily walk with you. I praise in Jesus' name. Amen.